Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Men, next Sunday night is our men's kickoff dinner. And I want to encourage you to join us. Get your ticket today. It's always a, a an eventful evening. Wonderful time. Uh, they have a fantastic meal. And uh, then we'll have a special speaker. And then a lot of activities next Sunday night. It's a great time for men to come together. This is not your average breakfast, Saturday morning breakfast. This is a big event. So men... Uh, well, this is the only men's event other than the men's retreat that we ask for you to pay to come, and that's just to cover the cost of the food. That's all it does. Uh, so uh, the church covers the cost of the uh, the, the special speaker, so the, your money doesn't go to cover that cost. The church takes care of that. That's part of our ministry. And uh, so men, get your ticket today. You can get it at the Info Hub or see one of our men's leaders, and they'll help you with that. Philippians chapter 3, what a great Sunday. We're so glad you're here today. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And now we've read that a bunch of times over the years. If you've been in church or read your Bible much, this is a a verse you know and you're familiar with. But we often don't go on and read verse 15. Look what verse 15 says. Therefore let us, as many as are mature... How many want to be mature in Christ? Well, he's getting ready to tell us to do something here. Have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So listen to what he's saying. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is telling mature believers. This is not for immature believers. If, your kid can, if we continue to hold on to the past, guess what? He, he designates you as immature. He says, because mature believers learn to focus on forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what's ahead. Last Sunday, the final Sunday of 2018, I taught a lesson on the necessity of leaving some things behind in 2018. In other words, there are some things that we had with us on our journey in 2018 that we don't need to take with us in 2019. And let me just take a moment. A good teacher will always review from the previous lesson. So let's take a a moment to review just a second some of the key points. Number one, New Year's resolutions reflect our Heavenly Father because He's the eternal creator of new. Every one of us should have a New Year's resolution. Every one of us should partake in New Year's. Well, I don't mess with that stuff. Well, you're not where you need to be. Everybody needs to have something new that you're believing God for in 2019. Just as Christ, we should begin each year, each year, with new hopes, new dreams, new opportunities, and new year resolutions. Listen to what the Holy Spirit through the prophet said in Isaiah. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 19. 
Isn't what the Holy Spirit through the prophet, this New Year's resolution is not just some new thing. This was going on hundreds and hundreds of years before. Listen to what the Lord says. Behold, I will do a what? New thing, not an old thing. I'm going to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then we come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You know this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New, not an old creation. Not the same old, same old. A brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So God is a God of the eternal new. And this is point number two that we discussed last week. In God's eyes, our future is not determined by our past. In God's eyes, your future, my future, is not determined by our past. Remember what we just read, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have what? Listen, if they passed away, your new can't be determined by it because it's gone. Yet, unfortunately, for many of us Believers, for many Christians, and for a lot of people nowadays that you run into and that I intersect with, they want to blame their present and their future upon their past. Well, so-and-so did this to me, or my parents didn't do me right, or I wasn't raised right, or I didn't have that education, and I didn't have this opportunity, and the government's not treating me right, and, and they, are, they are racist toward me, or, or I didn't have that financial opportunity, or they, they did me wrong at work, or something of that nature. Listen, when it comes to God in His eyes, your future is not determined by your past. It is not determined by your past. The Bible doesn't say that because we failed or events happened that derailed our plans, then we must forever live subpar or second best. Notice what he says. In Christ, old things pass away. Pass away. Everybody say pass away. Notice, they don't stay dangled out in front of you reminding you of what you could have had. They don't stay dangled. They pass away. Old things have passed away. They don't stay, well, if I'd have had that, you know, I had that opportunity one time, and I, they just didn't do me right. They, you know, this happened. My family did this. I, I, you know, I didn't get to, get to go to that school. I, I should have done that. But listen, it doesn't say old things stay dangled out in front of you for you to remember for the rest of your life of what you missed. The Bible says in God's eyes, old things pass away. Let me give you some various translations. The Phillips translation says it this way. The past is finished and gone. The Passion translation says the old has vanished. The Living Bible says you are not the same anymore. The Message says the old life is gone. And the New King James says, the old things have passed away. Listen, in God's eyes, our future is not determined by our past. God is the creator, the eternal creator of new. The third point we discussed last week, a main reason we are unsuccessful in turning our new resolutions into new reality is that we fail to leave some critical things behind. We just can't carry all the stuff we're trying to bring with us from years gone by. Nobody has the ability to carry that much stuff. 
And just as our Heavenly Father, just as a New Year's resolution reflects our Heavenly Father, so is our ability to focus on forgetting what's behind us. One of the remarkable things about our Heavenly Father is that He never brings up our failed past. He will never bring it up. He will never remind you of how you failed. If our mind is consumed with past failures, if memories of hurt and pain replay over and over in our thought life, please learn these scenes of the past, those painful memories, are not the actions of a loving Heavenly Father. Those are the torment and harassment of the devil. He doesn't keep replaying that scene. He doesn't keep replaying that conversation. He doesn't keep replaying that hurtful words that your folks and your friends said to you. He doesn't keep replaying that tragedy. He doesn't keep replaying that moment you got fired. He doesn't get, keep replaying that, that decision you made that was a terrible, bad, unwise decision at the time. He doesn't keep replaying that separation, that divorce, that loss, that death. He's not the one continuing to bring that up and harass you with that every single day. That's not God. That's not him. He does not bring up our failed past. How do you know that, Pastor? Because his word tells us. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Glory to God. Every once in a while, something will come up. I'll, some, I'll see somebody. I'll hear something. I'll be somewhere. And a, a past bad memory will try to pop into my mind. I mean, it, anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and it just, it'll be there before you know. And if you're not careful, you're replaying the whole scene over again. And it could have been 10, 20 years ago. But you're replaying the whole scene over again. And I tell you a lot of times when it happens, when I'm tired physically. When I'm tired physically. When you're tired physically, Satan takes advantage of you. And when I'm tired physically, a lot of times at night when I've been going all day long, and if I'm not careful, if I don't keep my mind focused, a lot of regret and painful past memories will try to get in. And bring me down. But the Bible says that's not the Lord. Because he will not constantly accuse us. Nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him. Is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins from us. As far as the east is from the west. Now listen. If he's removed them from us. Why in the world do you think he's bringing them back up to us? So it's not the Lord. That is bringing up your painful hurtful past. I shared this with you last week. The Lord has intentionally separated you from your past. So it's time to stop carrying your past around like luggage on a trip. For, fourth point that we discussed last week, we must learn to leave our regrets in the past. We talked about regret. We discovered this. Regret is a powerful anchor that will hold us firmly in the past and prevent us from enjoying our todays and tomorrows. 
Regret is an all-consuming stronghold that can invade the happiest of moments, pulling a dark cloud over your life. Regret to try to slip in on you when you're having a birthday party. Regret to try to slip in on you when you're on a vacation. Regret to try to slip in on you something you've done, something you've said, something you messed up on. It'll try to slip in on you at your happiest moments to try to bring a dark cloud over that environment and over your emotions at that moment. How do you leave regret behind? We talked about this. Number one, accept the reality of the thing you did. Accept the reality of your regret. Don't run from it. Don't make excuses for it. Just step up, man up, woman up, faith up, Christian up, mature up, and say, yeah, I messed up. I messed up. I can't fix it now. I accept the reality of it. Number two, once you accept the reality of it, forgive yourself. You know, if I was up here saying, now we need to forgive people, we need to forgive people, you'd be there saying, yep, amen, amen, amen. Yeah, I know that's true. That's true, Pastor, that's true. Well, you need to learn that lesson for yourself. It's e- Have you ever noticed it's easy to forgive everybody else who makes mistakes, but you expect perfection out of yourself? It's hard to forgive yourself. Once you accept that reality, I messed up, I didn't make a right decision, I sinned, I gave in to temptation, I did something unwise, I accept the reality of that. The second thing is to forgive yourself. God forgives you. Forgive yourself. Number three, if possible, make amends. If somebody else is involved, go to them tell them, I missed it. I missed it. I'm sorry. I just want to apologize. Now, this is the tough part because, let me tell you, some people don't want amends. They want to hold it against you. And you can't fix them. You can try to fix the situation, but you can't fix them. So, you, if possible, that's why I put in there, if possible. God and them will have to deal with that situation. You're released once you do your part. You are released, and you've got to grow up and go on. But if possible, so number one, accept the, the, the reality of the thing you regret. Forgive yourself, number two. Number three, if possible, make amends. And number four, focus on forgetting what's behind you. Well, pastor, I, I accept the reality of it, and, and I, uh, I forgive myself. I, I, I'm, I'm not holding it. I know I messed up, but I'm not going to beat myself up for it the rest of my life. And I've made amends. I've told people I'm sorry. I told my family I'm sorry. But this thing's still trying to haunt me. Well, this is where you as a child of God intentionally, intentionally must replace regretful thoughts with thoughts of Scripture that remind you of God's mercy and plans for your life. Just because you say, I'm sorry, I accept, the, I accept it, And just because you say, I'm not going to beat myself up, and just because you tell somebody you're sorry, doesn't mean that Satan's not going to try to come back and remind you and condemn you every day of your life. And you have to intentionally say, no, I'm not going to entertain that thought. I'm not going to allow that scene. I'm not going to replay that memory. I'm not going to rehearse that action in my mind any longer. Just because you do some of these things, say, tell people you're sorry or forgive yourself or accept the reality, doesn't mean it's automatically going to go away. we got a devil out there who wants to harass you every moment of every day of your life. 
And he's bringing it up. So you, every day, you have to say, when those thoughts hit, no, I kick that out. I kick that out. In Jesus' name, I kick that out. I've even been to the point that I've had to stop the car, pull off to the, if I've been on the interstate, I pulled off the exit, got out of my car on the off-ramp, and walked around my car and done this. I'm not thinking that. I'm not thinking that. I'm not, I know people thought I was crazy, but I got my mind free. Hallelujah. I was going crazy in that car, listening to all that stuff, and I had to get up, and one day, my son was little, and uh, I was walking down the hall, I knew I'd, I'd better start doing my exercise of getting my mind renewed in private because I was walking down the hall of our house and I was walking down like this. No, I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to receive that. I'm not going to receive that. I don't think that. I refuse to think on that. I was just walking, shaking my head. I'm not going to And he was three or four years old and I heard something behind me and I looked behind me and here he was in his, his, uh, his little underwear and that's all he had on. He went, right behind Intentionally, intentionally replace, intentionally, the key word's intentionally, intentionally replace regretful thoughts with thoughts of Scripture that remind you of God's mercies and plans for your life. Because regretful thoughts keep you in bondage to your past. God has a plan for you. A plan for a future and a hope. And there are times when those thoughts of your past failures try to get in. You've got to intentionally say, no, I'm not going to think on that. Here's what I choose to think on. And the Bible calls that the renewing of your mind. And then the fifth thing we talked about last week was do the opposite of what you regret. If you want to leave a regret behind, do the opposite of what you regret. Do the opposite. If you didn't, and I shared with you that my dad died here recently. And, I, you know, I love my dad. I always honored him, never talked back. But I didn't call him as much as I should have. I now realize I didn't call him. I got busy. He is busy. I just didn't talk to him as much. He's living his life. I'm living my life. Our lives went two different directions. But I didn't call him as much as I And I regret that. I regret that. Well, what do I do about it now? Well, I call my mom every day. She's having a big old time. She thinks it's wonderful. Now, if I don't call her every day, I'm in trouble for not calling her every day. I thought, man, why did I start this thing now? But do, do the thing. In other words, do the opposite of what you regret. If you, if you, you say, well, I give in to impulse buying, and I got my family in debt. Well, do the opposite of that. Start saving a little bit more. Do the opposite of that. Well, I've been ill. I've been ill toward people. I've been short with them. My, my wife, my, my husband, I'm just not patient. Well, do the opposite. Go out of your way to love them. Do the opposite of what you, If you want to leave regret behind, do the opposite of what you regret. Now, today, I've got 15 minutes. So today, last Sunday, I shared with you a study which revealed that 80% of all New Year's resolutions never become a pattern in our life. 80%. The study by CBS said this, that 80% of all New Year's resolutions, by the end of January, they will have been forgotten. 80% of all New Year's resolutions will have been neglected or forgotten 
by the end of January. How many of us this morning have been guilty of making a New Year's resolution and within a couple of months have uh, not fallen, followed through? How many have done that in your life? How many of you have been guilty of making a New Year's resolution and within a couple of weeks have forgotten about it? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you there this morning have made a New Year's resolution and within a couple of days, a couple hours, as soon as you came out of your mouth, you said, no, I'm not going to do that. Eighty <laughs> percent, 80% will never make it until the end of January. Why? How can we turn our resolutions into realities? And why don't we make it? Why, why 80%? This has been going on every year. Why does 80%? We have great intentions, wonderful aspirations, but we don't get it done. 80% of them don't get it done. How many of you have been like me? I'm going to lose some weight this year. That's the number one resolution I read. I'm going to lose some weight this year. How many, have, how many have said that? Raise your hand. I'm going to lose some weight this year. How many gained weight that year? Well, you said do the opposite of what you regret, so I regretted making the resolution. So. I'm just being a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Why does 80% of our resolutions never get succeed? We never succeed with, why don't we can't make it through the first 30 days doing it? Why? Why don't resolutions become reality in our life? Let me tell you why. Beneficial change is difficult. Change is hard. And beneficial change is really hard. Look at, go back to Philippians chapter 3. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 again. Notice what Paul said. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press, everybody say press. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. The, new, the living Bible, the TLB, the living Bible says this, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did for us. The word press in the original language means to pursue. It means to, it speaks to the effort and sacrifice required to reach a designation. And over the years, I've learned a principle from the scriptures that Amanda and I have had to put it to practice in our life. You possess only what you pursue. You possess only what you pursue. I learned this years ago when it came to divine healing. I had a, one of my best friends in life uh, at 46 got diagnosed with colon cancer. God had healed him from kidney cancer. We'd seen him, God healed him from kidney cancer, but then a different kind of cancer, a totally different kind of cancer came in and attacked his colon. And I, the doctor said, it's not good. This is not good. It's too far advanced. 
In fact, the doctor said to us, you, you got six months to live. I said, I said, bud, he said, pastor, what do we need to do? I said, we got to go after this. We got to go after healing. We got to go after medical, everything we can do medically, but then we got to believe God and go after healing. We got to pursue it. We got to pursue it. I said, I know a healing ministry that's going to be in Memphis next month. And I have friends on that healing minister staff. I'll get us in the back door. You won't have to wait in line. People would wait in line for hours to get into this minister's meetings. I said, well, I'll get us in. You won't have to wait in line. We'll set up on the front. I'll get you there. I'll get you there. You got to want to go. You want to go? He said, yeah, yeah, I want to go. I want to go. I'll do whatever it takes to get healed. I said, okay. And then two weeks before we went, the time, I had it all set up. He came to me and said, Pastor, I don't think I'm going to do it. I said, what do you mean you're not going to do it? He said, well, I just believe if God wants me well, he knows where I'm at. I knew he was in trouble right then. See, the Bible tells, you, you look in the scriptures, everybody that pursued Jesus got the blessings. Pursue. You only possessed what you pursue. And just making a resolution doesn't mean the resolution's going to become a reality. Yes, it's an aspiration. It's a wonderful idea. But wonderful ideas and aspirations and good intentions do not become reality unless small, minor, mundane things are done every single day. And you create a new pattern of living in your life. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. Matthew 7, 7. You possess only what you pursue. Ask, and it will be given to you. Have you ever noticed he didn't say it to be given to you without you asking? We in America believe that. It's called entitlement. And unfortunately, we think that's the way the Word works, the Bible works, the kingdom of God works. You only possess when the kingdom of God what you pursue. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. It doesn't say you get it if you don't seek it. Knock and it will be opened. People are just not opening doors for you nowadays. You've got to go after it. To receive, to find, or for a door to be opened requires effort on our part. Now occasionally we'll encounter someone who reached a goal or received a blessing without any effort on their part. You always run into those people. But that's the rare exception and not the rule. The Apostle Paul, who enjoyed a phenomenal relationship with Christ like no other, stated that he had to press. He had to pursue. He had to strain. He had to put effort. There was resistance coming against him from receiving everything God wanted for him during his life. Listen, if we're waiting for advancement, if we're waiting for promotion and change to fall into our lap without any discipline effort on our part, we will be hopelessly disappointed. We will have unfulfilled resolutions. You're not going to get in shape if you don't join the gym. You're not going to be more long-suffering if you're flipping off everybody that cuts you off on Memorial Drive. You're not going to be able to save this year for retirement if you're wearing Amazon and the UPS driver out every single day delivering to your house. 
See, we've got to change some things. We've got to put an effort toward our resolution. So let me give you some, really quickly, some biblical principles to turning your resolutions into reality. Number one, every one of us should make a New Year's resolution. That's first. Can't be a reality if you don't have one. Every one of us, every person in this room should have a New Year's resolution. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from, from glory to what? Glory. Notice he didn't say we're changed into the same image from glory. He didn't say you get one dip of the Holy Ghost and that's all you need. He said we go from glory to what? To glory. We should constantly, as mature believers, be growing and desiring to grow and become richer in our relationship with Christ. I'm going to say something that's probably going to be offensive to some, but that's not what I want to be. I want to motivate you to move forward. But here it is. If we don't make a personal resolution this year for spiritual growth, then we are spiritual babies who have become spiritually lazy. If you are satisfied where you are right now, spiritually, something's wrong with your relationship with Christ. You have lost your hunger and your thirst. Notice the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, as we look in 2 Corinthians, as we look into the glass, that word glass means a mirror, it's talking about the Word of God. As we look into the Word of God, we are changed. We are transformed from glory to glory by the Holy Spirit. As believers, we're not to remain the same. And we're definitely not to regress backwards spiritually. We are to be continually changing and growing into the image of Christ. Every one of us, every one of us, you say, well, I don't have a, I don't want to go on no more vacations, I don't want a new job, and I don't want a new car, and I, don't want, I don't want nothing materially. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to make a re- resolution for that. I've got enough money saved. I don't have to, well, you, that's fine. You don't have to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm healthy, happy, good-looking, handsome. I don't, I don't need to do anything to my body. I'm, I'm perfect the way I am. Well, uh, number one, you're deceived. But number two, if you believe that, if you believe that, that's fine. But every one of us need to do something spiritually. We can grow spiritually. I don't think your last name is Christ. They have, nobody's calling you that at work from what I hear. Every one of us. Listen to these scriptures. Psalm 92, verse 12. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong. They will grow. The godly will grow. They'll flourish and grow, flourish and grow, flourish and grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Proverbs 4, 18. But the lovers of God walk on the highway of light. This is what the Passion Translation says. And their way shines brighter and what? Brighter. Until they bring forth the perfect day. Brighter and brighter. Always growing. Flourish and grow. Brighter and brighter. First Timothy 4, verse 13, Paul told young Timothy. This is what he said. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Encouraging the believers and teaching them. Verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Notice what he says. 
Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your what? Progress. The people look at you and say, man, you're spiritually growing. There's a change taking place in your life. Man, last year you wasn't like this. You were totally different. This year I see more of Christ in you. What's happened to you? Man, your conversation, you don't take part in the jokes you used to take part in with us last year. What is it? You're happier. You have more peace. You have a sense of contentment about you. What is taking place in your life? See, we're to go from glory to glory. What does a resolution, what does a spiritual resolution look like? Well, maybe this year you say, I'm, I'm going to overcome this area of fear. In 2019, I'm going to overcome this area of fear. There's thousands and thousands of phobias, fears. But this year, and you know what it is in your life, I'm going to overcome this area. I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to overcome this area of fear in my life this year. By the end of 2019, this area of fear is not going to be plaguing me. Maybe it's fear of the dark. Maybe it's fear of flying. Maybe it's fear of dying. Whatever it might be. Fears of all types. But I'm going to overcome it. You know what it is in your life. I'm going to overcome this area of fear. What's another spiritual resolution? I'm going to walk in more long-suffering toward that person at work that gets on my nerves. We all got them. I work at the church, and I got two. We're going to walk in long-suffering toward that... Man, that person, you know, there's always one person that just gets on your last nerve. Anybody know what I'm talking about this month? In fact, they might live with you at your house. In fact, they might have your last same name. In fact, they might be sitting beside you this morning in church. I'm going to make a spiritual resolution. This year, I'm going to be in more long-suffering toward them. Here's a good one. I'm going to be more bold to witness for Christ. In 2019, I'm going to be more bold to witness for Christ. Oh, here's a good one. I'm going to discipline myself to read three chapters in my Bible five days a week. I'm going to discipline myself to read three chapters in my Bible five days a week. Here's one that we all need to learn. And have a resolution. I, I'm, I'm going to have a resolution. I'm going to work on listening more than talking. Well, why, why do we need that kind of resolution? Because the Bible says, In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. So if you talk, stop talking as much, you'll sin less. You sin less, you don't have to ask for forgiveness for as much. Here's a good one. Embrace a spirit. In 2019, embrace a spirit of generosity. What do you mean? I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more in 2019. This brings us to the second biblical principle. Number one, everybody needs to have a biblical uh, uh, New Year's resolution. Everybody. Everybody in this room. If you don't, you're spiritually lazy and become immature baby. Everybody needs some kind of resolution because God's the eternal author of new. Number two, every good resolution will encounter resistance. You have... Okay, pastor, I'm convinced. I need to have one. 
Well, guess what? As soon as you start it, it's going to be resisted. We have an adversary in life, the devil. The Bible calls him a thief and a liar. John chapter 10, verse number 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil doesn't want you getting closer to Jesus. He doesn't want you learning about your authority in Christ. He doesn't want you getting free from alcoholism or addictions. He doesn't want you closing your door to fear. He doesn't want you closing your door to fear. He wants to hold you in bondage. He doesn't want you to get free from fear. He doesn't, he doesn't want you getting a promotion or receiving compensation increase because you will give more to God, and He don't want that at all. He surely doesn't want you to become more bold for Christ. He doesn't want you to listen more and speak less. He wants you to keep running your flapper so you'll have to you'll see him the whole time. And the last thing he wants you to become is long suffering toward that person at work who irritates you. He don't want you to become longing long suffering toward them because he wants you to continue to lose your temper and ruin your Christian witness in front of them. Every good resolution will encounter resistance. Every good resolution will encounter resistance. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I press, I strain to get to the destination I'm aiming toward. And listen to this. Not only do we have resistance from an evil unseen force called the devil, we have a seen force that doesn't want to change. The Bible calls it the creature. Your flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to change. Look at Romans chapter 7. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Look over here at Romans chapter 7. We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. Could that have been you writing that? I don't understand why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Have you ever thought that? Paul thought, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. He's saying, I want to do good, but I keep messing up. What's the... It's your flesh. He said, there's sin in my flesh, and even though I serve Jesus with my heart, I'm living in a body that wants to sin. And we make wonderful resolutions, but our flesh doesn't want to change. He went on to say it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You've seen that. People messed up their life simply because they let their flesh desires control their future. And they made an unwise decision. So number one, turning your resolutions into reality. Number one, everybody ought to have a resolution. 
Number two, when you have one, you're going to have some resistance. Resistance coming from the spiritual unseen force, the devil, and resistance coming from your flesh. And then number three, you've got to lock your thought life onto your desired resolution. You've got to lock your thought life onto your desired resolution. You say, well, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to, I'm going to love my family more. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm not going to work as much this year. I'm not going to work as much. I'm going to spend time for, with my children. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to read three chapters a day. I'm going to do that. I'm, well, that's wonderful. You've got a resolution. Yeah, and I know I'm going to be resisted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I don't want to get up in the morning to read my three chapters. Don't want to get up 15 minutes early in the morning to read my three chapters. Well, pastor said I'd be resisted, so I'm going to get up. Well, then you get to Thursday. You've got to lock it in. You've got to lock your thought life in. Lock your thought life in. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Look what it says. Set your minds. Everybody say, set your minds. Set your minds. Set your minds. Lock in. Make up your mind. This is what I'm going to entertain. This is what I'm going to believe. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to meditate on. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on my biblical, my resolution that God wants me, my dream, my desire that God has for me. I'm going to lock in on it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate on it. Any thought contrary to it, I'm not going to entertain it, not going to allow it into my mind. I'm locked in. I've set my mind on things above, not on earthly things. I've set my mind. Oh, man. Oh, man. Did you see that new gadget, Electronic Express? Did you see that new gadget? Did you see that new gadget? Did you see that new phone? Oh, that new phone. Man, you've got to get that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if you, if you say, I'm going to save, I'm going to save, I'm not going to give in to impulse buying, and then all of a sudden you allow your mind to start thinking about that new phone, you had not locked in. You've set your mind again on earthly things instead of godly things. Set your mind on things of heaven and not things of earth. Oh, I wish I'd have learned this years ago. I'd be wealthy today. I bought some stupid stuff. Have any of you bought stupid stuff? And you know what's even more stupid? I bought it with money I didn't have. And had to pay for it for two or three years afterwards. You know what that's called? Credit card. And then them crazy people charged me 24% to use their money to buy something I didn't need with money I didn't have. And now I'm paying for 24% on uh, interest on money I don't have. Now think about that. I'm paying 24% interest on, with money I have to pay for money I didn't have. How stupid is that? So lock in. For though we walk in the flesh... We don't war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought. I'm locked in. I'm not going to entertain that thought. It's contrary to my resolution. I'm not going to entertain. 
Yes, I'm, I'm going to be long-suffering toward her. I'm going to be long-suffering toward him. I'm not going to entertain thoughts of getting angry anymore or throwing a fit or showing a temper. I'm not going to do it. I'm not entertaining those thoughts. I'm not going to entertain. Well, next time I see, you know you how you do Next time I see them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. You know how you work that stuff up in your mind? You guys said, no, I'm not entertaining that. I'm going to be long-suffering toward them. I'm going to be long-suffering. You've got to lock in. So number one, get your resolution. Get your resolution. If you don't have your resolution, you're spiritually immature and lazy. Number two, understand when you get it, there's going to be resistance. Your flesh doesn't want to change, and the devil don't want you getting closer to Christ. And number three, lock in on it. Just lock in. I'm locked in. It's this way I'm going. I'm getting over this this year. I'm getting over this grief this year. I'm getting over this regret this year. I'm getting over this failure. I'm getting over my my feelings of failure. I'm getting over this low self-esteem this year. I'm getting over this jealousy this year. I'm getting over this envy. I'm getting over this fear. I'm getting over this alcoholism. I'm getting over these opioids. I'm getting over this pain medication. I'm going after it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get free this year. I'm locked in on it. I'll not entertain one thought of staying this way bound next year. I'm going to get free this year. Lock in on it. Get your resolution. Understand resistance is coming. And then get your thought life locked in. And watch the Holy Spirit hook up with you. And make it a lot easier than you ever thought. Stand with me, would you?